Well, it is great to be with all of you this morning. Those of you who are watching with us online right now, those of you who are here um, in the room together, it is great to be with you today. Um, he, here's something that I bet all of us, whether you're here or whether you're watching, I bet that all of us uh, have this in common. Um, I, I'm hoping um, that 2021 will be better um, than 2020, right? Anybody else? Right. Now, and again, at first, right, this whole thing was kind of interesting for the first couple of weeks, right? It was uh, maybe for some of us, um, for the first couple of weeks, it was maybe a little, a little bit of a break um, for, for some of us, at least at the very beginning. I mean, and for others of us, I get it. It's been nothing but stress and anxiety the whole time, right? And, and, and the truth is all, all of us are, you know, we're somewhere um, on that spectrum. Um, but I think it's safe to say uh, that, that for all of us, right, for all of us, um, that, that all of us are ready um, for things to get back to normal, right? But see, in light of all that has taken place, in light of all that we've experienced, in light of all that we've seen, it, it, the truth is um, it would probably be a shame for us to simply go back to the normal normal. Right? And all of us have certainly heard plenty about the, the new normal, right? And certainly, um, you know, much of, of the new normal um, is something that has been thrust upon us. But, but, but in light of all that, here's what I want us to talk about together um, for, for these next several weeks. If we're wise, right, if we're wise, um, you and I, we will kind of pause uh, and stop and ask the questions, um, what have I learned, um, what have we learned and what can we actually carry forward? Because see, here, here's what we all know, right? Pain without gain, it's just kind of lame. Sorry, I needed that to rhyme somehow, right? If we're wise, we will pause and we'll ask the question, what have I learned? What have we learned? And what do we want to carry forward? Now, I, I realize for, for some of you, um, for, for some of you, your, your response um, to these questions um, really, if you're honest, is, is okay, Joe, um, I, I, don't know, um, I don't know that I can learn anything from it, right? Because I, I'm actually still in it. Right? In fact, I'm just beginning, I'm just beginning to suffer the, the consequences of everything that we've been going through um, for, for the past nine months. And, and listen, um, if, if that is kind of your response to this whole thing, um, I, I get it. I, I realize I'm kind of pushing at you a little bit. Um, and you're right, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know your circumstances. I don't know um, the extent to which um, you and your family ha has been affected by all this specifically. I, I, don't know, um, I don't know the exact nature uh, of what you've had to go through um, um, during this time. Um, and see, the truth is, uh, I'm actually with you uh, on this because, um, because when I'm going through a personal crisis, right, this is always my response um, to those crises as well. But um, but see, something, um, something that Autumn taught me um, is that in order to actually uh, gain um, through pain, right, many times, uh, many times, um, if we want to go through a crisis and come out of that crisis better and not simply bitter, then we have to be intentional about asking the questions, what have I learned, what have we learned, and what can we actually carry forward earlier, right, earlier than many times we're actually ready to. Otherwise, right, otherwise, um, likely we're just all going to go back to whatever the normal normal was um, without, um, without gaining everything uh, from the pain that we've been through. And again, that, that would just kind of be lame, right? Because as you know, right, simply wanting to be better, simply wishing to be better means that likely nothing 
is going to actually be better. Because, see, this is what you know as well. Experience doesn't make you wiser. Experience just makes us older, doesn't it? Right? Evaluated experience is what makes us wiser. Evaluated experience is what makes us better. Unevaluated experience is simply what leaves us bitter. And see, the truth is, right, the truth is all of us, we have experienced so much over these last nine months. I mean, just think about it. Nine months ago, right, social distancing was for people like me, introverts, right? Not nine months ago, all of us thought that the key to losing weight was eating more meals at home, right? Not nine months ago, every kid woke up every single day hoping that they would not have school, right? So much has changed in the past nine months. And again, we didn't ask for this pandemic, right? But, and, and here's the point, right? It left us with choices. And, and see, our response to experience, right? Our response, our ability to actually choose a response rather than simply reacting to our experience of pain, our ability to choose a response is the difference between coming out of all this better and simply coming out of all this bitter. Because again, and, and you know this, right? Reacting, it simply sets us up to become a reflection, right? Reacting to circumstances sets us up to become a reflection of the events that we despise, right? Reacting to people sets us up to become a reflection of the people that, that we can't stand, right? Re reacting, simply reacting. In fact, this might be the, the most tragic of them all, depending on the stage of life that you're in, but simply reacting, that can actually lead to us giving up or, or losing our, our, our legacy, but see, the right response, a, a thoughtful response, if you're a follower of Jesus, a faith-filled response, it actually has the power to redeem pain and suffering. And, and listen, I get it. I understand that this is a big promise, right? And not only is this a big promise, the, the truth is this is actually a promise that's easy to miss. And, and the reason it's so easy to miss is because the response that has the potential to reverse the natural course of things, it isn't natural. In fact, if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, this may actually be one of your big objections to the whole idea of God and, and faith in Jesus. Because, because as followers of Jesus, right, think about this. As a follower of Jesus, when something bad happens, we actually turn to God believing that he could have kept that bad thing from happening in the first place. Right? Isn't this true? Isn't this exactly what we do? Isn't this what we tell other people to do? When something bad happens, we turn to this crazy, we turn to God with this crazy confidence of, okay, God, um, you could have kept that from happening in the first place, but now that it has happened, I'm actually turning to you, knowing that you are the very one who could have kept all of this from happening in the first place. See, that response that response absolutely is not natural, but it is absolutely the response that has the potential to reverse and, in fact, redeem our experience of pain and suffering and help us to move forward better and not simply bitter. Or maybe your experience is kind of like my experience, and you are absolutely confident um, that, that God, that, that He could prevent something in the life of someone else 
that He did not prevent in your own life, right? Isn't that true? So, are, are we crazy? Are we naive? I mean, s- some people would certainly say yes, but see, remember, right, the, the history of our faith, right, the history of our faith is filled with men and women um, who, who responded to, to pain and to the circumstances of life and who responded to the hardships and the sufferings of life in the most unnatural and unexpected ways that you can imagine. In fact, remember this, right, at the very center of our faith, at the very center of our faith is a man who surrendered to his enemies, who chose not to defend himself, and who chose not to save himself when given the opportunity, but as a result, saved you and saved me. Right? See, never underestimate the power of choosing a faith-filled response in the midst of pain and suffering. Now, for the next couple of weeks together, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this whole dynamic. Um, we're going to talk about this dynamic together, and we're going to look at this specifically in the lives of two people, um, one found in the Old Testament, one found in the New Testament, because it always helps me to know, and hopefully it helps you to know, um, that, that the, the men and women who brought us the message of, of Jesus that they walked through the same valleys, they, they had the same unanswered prayers, and they had the same questions about the, the seemingly random events of life that we do. And yet somehow, right, somehow they continued to believe and somehow they continued to, to persevere. And see, learning how that happens, that is the difference between moving forward better and simply moving forward bitter. And so today, as we kick off this brand new series, as we officially put 2020 in the rearview mirror, and as all of us move forward into 2021, hoping that what we're going to experience in our future will be better than what was in our past, we're going to begin today by picking up with the storyline that we left off at the end of our four campaign back in November. As you may remember, in Acts chapter 11, we read about the followers of Jesus up north in Antioch who had just received word through a prophecy that a massive famine was going to spread all throughout the entire Roman Empire. And so these followers of Jesus up in Antioch are very, very concerned about the followers of Jesus more than 300 miles away in Jerusalem. Because these followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, they have been suffering long before this famine ever occurred because because they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And so this famine, it's just going to make their suffering even worse. And so these followers of Jesus up in Antioch, they begin taking up a collection to help the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. But see, meanwhile, meanwhile, unbeknownst to to the followers of Jesus in Antioch, something terrible happens in Jerusalem. Right? Something, something terrible is coming, but something else that terrible is terrible happens. Something random. Something unexpected. Something that would leave the followers of Jesus kind of shaking their heads and thinking to themselves, okay, where, where in the world is God in this? Luke tells us in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, that it was about this time, and this time is 15 years after the resurrection. It's about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. Now, 
This King Herod here um, is actually the grandson of the King Herod who had all the babies killed in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And the sum that he arrested from the church actually included one of the 12 apostles. It included John's brother, James. Luke tells us in verse 2 that Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword, right? In other words, he has, he has James beheaded. Now, as you can imagine, this was a horrible, horrible blow to morale for those followers of Jesus who were living in Jerusalem. But at the same time, it won Herod major political points with the Jewish religious leaders there. And so Luke tells us that when Herod saw that this pleased the Jews, verse 3, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the feast of unleavened bread, which is also known as the Passover, because obviously, right, obviously Peter would be a huge prize um, for Herod to get his hands on, because in the first century church next to Jesus, right, there's nobody more famous, there's nobody more important um, than Peter. And so, after uh, arresting Peter, verse 4, Herod put Peter in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So, Peter's being guarded 24 hours a day um, by four soldiers at all times because Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial and execution after the Passover. And so, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for Peter right, specifically for Peter's release. And see, listen, here it is, right? This is one of the many situations in the Scriptures where the experience of the first century followers of Jesus intersects with our experience today, right? Because again, think about it. These followers of Jesus, they're praying, right? They're praying and they're asking God to deliver deliver Peter, just days after God did not deliver James, right? If God was so concerned about Peter, then God wouldn't have allowed Peter to be arrested in the first place, right? If God um, didn't stop the execution of James, why in the world would we think that God is going to stop the execution of Peter? See, they're just as crazy as us. Or more accurately, um, we actually are, are just as crazy as them, right? Because if it wasn't for their crazy, we wouldn't even be having this conversation today, right? If it wasn't for their crazy, we, we wouldn't even know that this event ever took place. If it wasn't for their crazy, we would never have even heard the name Jesus. But see, as it turns out, They were not crazy, and their faith was not misplaced, and neither, neither is yours. And see, for me, right, for for me, the, the fact that the New Testament authors recorded events like this one, this is so incredibly helpful for me because it reminds me in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a personal crisis, it reminds me of two very, very important things. First, that the people who were closest to Jesus 
right? The men and the women who actually knew Jesus personally, who actually saw Jesus physically resurrected from the grave, the the people who knew him best, they were not immune to random acts of, of suffering and tragedy and loss. And second, in spite of believing that God could have prevented those situations from happening in the first place, they immediately, they immediately turned to God for comfort and help even when they happen. So we might be crazy, but we're in good company because we are not the first ones and we are not the only ones to experience all of this. And see, don't miss this, because the the reason, right, the reason they kept trusting in God and and turning to God, it wasn't because all of this somehow or all of this somehow made sense. That's not it. The reason they kept turning to God and and trusting in God is because the thing that that, that made the least sense of all, which was God's, um, the crucifixion of God's own Messiah, that actually resulted in the best possible thing. The salvation of the world, right? And the forgiveness of your sin and the forgiveness of my sin. And see, here's the key, right? Here's the key to all this. This is where we have to do some some evaluation uh, of our personal experiences, right? To the extent um, that our, our faith and our trust in God, right? This is, this is actually the difference between moving forward better and moving forward bitter, Right, to the, to the order, uh, to the degree that our faith is anchored in the same event that theirs were, theirs was, is the degree in which our confidence in God will actually sustain us through those random, seemingly unexplainable, explicable, you know, where are you God moments of life that both they and we experience. And so when you find yourself um, continuing to turn to the very God who did not come through for you the way that you wanted him to, the way that you expected him to, the way that perhaps he came through for the person next to you, you are in good company. Because Peter, Andrew, James, John, Martha, Mary, Paul, the men and the women whose faith lay the groundwork for the message of Jesus to spread throughout the entire world. They're irrational in spite of God. Where are you in all of this faith is the reason why we are here today. And see, Peter, Peter does not get executed at this point. And we're going to talk about how that happens in just a moment. But before we do that, um, I want us to look at something else. Because 10 years after, 10 years after um, this event that we're talking about today in Acts chapter 12, 10 years after this event happens, Peter has lived for the past 10 years as a fugitive on the run. No place to call home. He's been arrested multiple times. He's been tortured. He's been beaten. And now Peter sits down while he's in prison this last time for what would be the end of his life. He sits down at the end of his life to write a letter to the followers of Jesus living throughout the Roman Empire who are suffering and who are being persecuted for their faith in the very same way that Peter is. And this is what Peter writes to those followers of Jesus. He says this. 
He says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? And it's like, okay, Peter, hang on. Hang on a second. Time out, Peter. Let's, let's recall some of these events. Peter, during the last 10 years, right, you've been arrested multiple times. You've been tortured. You've been jailed. You've been thrown into prison. Um, your body is literally scarred for life. I mean, Stephen is dead. James is dead. Peter, you have a price on your head, and soon you're going to be dead. And the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has done absolutely nothing to stop it. The rest of the apostles are all scattered. I mean, Peter, what in the world are you even saying right now? And Peter would say, well, this is what I'm saying. Listen, in his great mercy, in our Heavenly Father's great mercy, he has given to us a new birth. He's given to us a new relationship into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never, never perish, spoil, or fade. Right? In other words, he's saying, listen, we may not get all of our questions answered, and you may, never, um, you, you may never understand, I may never understand the randomness of life. But Peter says, despite all that, you can. You can have hope. And your hope, it isn't anchored to a religion, it isn't anchored to an experience. Your hope, Peter says, even, isn't even anchored to your own behavior. He says your hope is anchored to an event. The event that rekindled Peter's hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then Peter goes on in verse 6 and he says, or Luke, Peter goes on in verse 6 and he says this. He says, in this, right, in, in all of these trials and all of these sufferings, in this, he says, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Right? In other words, Peter is saying, okay, um, because of all that's got, that God has done for you, the truth is you can find joy and, and you can find peace even when you're in the midst of suffering. There is not joy because of the suffering, Peter says. No, there is actually joy that can be found in spite of the suffering because of what it is that your heavenly Father has done for you. And so it's like, okay, Peter, you know, time out. If, I, if we understand you, Peter, what you're saying is that grief and trials and, and suffering and, and randomness, right, all these things, Peter, are you really saying that these things do not mean that God's not in control? They, they do not mean that God's not paying attention? They don't mean that God's angry with us? Or that God has forgotten about us? And see, Peter would say, no, 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 absolutely not at all, he would say. In, in fact, these, these trials, he says, no, these trials specifically, he says, they have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, your faith which is of greater worth than gold, which gold does perish, he reminds us of, even though gold is refined by fire, your faith may result in praise and glory and honor when, when, when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter, it sounds like you're saying 
that we should expect this. That we should expect all of this randomness. That, that we should expect these things that don't make sense to us, that cause us to suffer. And Peter says, yes. Yes. And see, people are watching. People who are suffering are watching. People who are suffering like you are suffering, they are watching. People who are suffering without hope like you have hope, they are watching. People who are suffering without peace like you have peace, they are watching, Peter says. And they will be drawn to your hope. They will be drawn to your peace. Because in the midst of darkness, nothing will outshine the hope and the peace that the resurrected Christ brings into your life. Though you have not seen Him, Peter says, verse 8, Though you have not seen him, because he's writing to people like us who didn't see Jesus the way that he saw Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled. You are filled, he says, with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the end results of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Peter, are you you saying, Peter, that the randomness and the inconsistency of life, that, that doesn't shake you? Peter, is that really what you're saying? That doesn't shake your confidence in God? I mean, come on, Peter, they got James. Peter, they're, they're going to get you. And Peter would say, does that bother me? Does that upset me? Absolutely. A- absolutely it does. But my faith, right, my, my faith, Peter would say, it doesn't depend on consistency. My faith doesn't depend on my ability to understand or, or to explain all of the randomness of this world. Because remember, Peter would tell us, listen, remember, I saw the best possible person suffer the worst possible death, which made absolutely no sense to any of us. But then God raised him from the dead. And so while there are a lot of things that I can't explain, and there's a lot of things out there, Peter would say, that I do not understand, i got to tell you that after, after the resurrection, it's all just a bunch of details. Now, what Peter says to us next is where we're going to pick it up next week. But for today, we're going to go back to the storyline of Acts chapter 12. Because remember, James has just been executed. Herod has Peter in prison. And uh, in verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring Peter to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains, they fell off Peter's wrists. 
And then the angel said to Peter, put on your clothes and your sandals, and, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and, and, and follow me, the angel told him. And so, of course, Peter followed him out of the prison, but Peter had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and then they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left them. Now, I know what you're thinking because I think the same thing when I read stuff like this. Like, really? I mean, really? Did, did that really happen? And if it did, why doesn't God do this anymore? But you know what Peter and the other followers of Jesus back in Jerusalem were thinking? Why didn't God do this for James? And see, they, they, they never got a good answer to their question. And we may never get satisfying answers to our questions either. But Luke tells us that when Peter, when Peter realized that he was outside of the city gates and that, that he was out safe outside of the city, Peter went to the home of Mary, um, the mother of John, who is also known as Mark, um, where all the, the followers of Jesus, many people had gathered there and they were praying for Peter's release. Peter um, knocked on the door, on the entrance to the door, and a servant girl by the name of Rhoda came out and answered the, the, the door. When, um, when she recognized Peter's voice, Luke tells us, because Peter had actually been to their house many, many, many times, when she recognized, Rhoda recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and she ran back to where the other people were praying without opening the door, don't miss this, without opening the door and exclaimed that Peter is at the door. Right now, remember, this is what all of these people were praying for, but apparently they did not actually expect God to do anything or to answer their prayer because their response to, to Rhoda, right, don't get this, their response to Rhoda is just one of the many reasons um, why the, the, the writers of the New Testament, why we can be confident that this wasn't all just made up and that this wasn't just a bunch of stories, that, that they did not experience miracles every day. And they did not expect a miracle on this day because when Rhoda told all these people who had been praying for Peter's release that Peter was at the door, they looked at Rhoda and they said, you are out of your mind. See, you should read your Bibles. This is in there. And it's like, okay, isn't that what you were praying for? Well, well sure it is, but we didn't really expect that that would happen. But... Luke tells us, when she kept insisting that it was so, the people praying, they said, well, it must be his angel. In other words, Peter must already be dead. It must be some kind of a ghost or, or something. 
But Peter, he just kept knocking on the door. And when they finally opened the door they, and they saw him, they were astonished because they had no expectation that anything different would happen this time as it did last time. But they were wrong. In fact, apparently, apparently they were so excited um, and they made so much noise in the middle of the night that, that Peter had to motion to them. He had to motion to them with their hands to say, be quiet. Instead, I want you to just go and tell James, right, the brother, this is the brother of Jesus, James and the other brothers and sisters about all of this, Peter said. And then Peter left for another place. And see, this is interesting. Because Luke doesn't tell us where it is that, that Peter went. Because remember, when Luke wrote this, Peter was still a wanted man. He was, uh, he was now a fugitive. And if Luke knew Peter's location, if he knew where he was going, he certainly wasn't going to document it, lest his document fall into the, the wrong hands. And so Peter goes and he begins the next 10 years of his life, the last 10 years of his life, living as a fugitive on the run. And then Luke kind of sums up this whole event in verse 24, and he tells us, but, in other words, in spite of, in spite of all the chaos, in spite of all the randomness, in spite of all the dangling questions of why and how come and how could, in spite of all that, Luke tells us, but the Word of God continued to increase and spread. In fact, we know it did. It's the reason why we're here today. It's the reason why these manuscripts were preserved and passed down from generation to generation to generation. It's the reason why that today in our world the name of Jesus is known and worshipped all throughout our world. But see, for me, and hopefully for you, on a personal note, right? These events that we look back on, the events that we have all collectively been through in the past year, the things that we individually have experienced, the things that all of us are currently experiencing in our world right now, as we evaluate and as we think about all of those experiences, it is why the Apostle Paul reminds us that we do not grieve as those who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. It's why we can, as the Apostle Peter tells us, why we can cast all of our cares, we can cast all of our anxiety on our Heavenly Father. Because He cares for you. Peter says you can know that your Heavenly Father, that He actually cares for you, despite what you see around you, despite what it is that you are going through personally, what's happening to you in, in this moment. It's why we can, as the author of Hebrews tells us, that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. That we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's why we can have hope even when we don't have explanations. Because see, what this little slice of Peter's life reminds us of is those things in life that kind of strike us as, as random, 
unfair and not necessary. They may, in fact, be random. And oftentimes, they are unfair. And the truth is, they may not be necessary. But see, in spite of all that, Peter assures us that our hope, your hope, is not misplaced and your hope is not in vain because we have a living hope that is anchored not to our ability to interpret or understand circumstances. No, it is anchored to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And when this is the anchor of our faith, then we will be able to move forward not simply bitter, but better, regardless of what it is that we experience in our world. Heavenly Father, Father, thank you for making sure that the, the, the truth of, of your word has been preserved and passed down to us. Father, that we would know and that we would have a testimony of your faithfulness through the ages. Father, so that we can know personally that there is hope for us even when we don't have explanations, even when we have questions. And Father, in this moment, all of us, we ask that you would forgive us for those times in our lives when we've placed our hope in anything or anyone other than Jesus and his resurrection. And Holy Spirit, we pray, and I pray, Holy Spirit, very specifically, that the faith that you have given to us, the life of Jesus that you live within us, that that would shine brightly. That that would shine brightly and it would reflect our hope and the source of our hope to our world, to our community, to our nation, to each other. And that you would continue to use all of us, Holy Spirit, to point people to Jesus, who is our Savior and our Lord. And it is in his matchless and powerful name that we pray all of these things. Amen.